Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. Some talk shows think all of their opinions are right. This one, this one knows they are. This is Perception is Reality. Christopher H. Bilbury is a no-nonsense, well, maybe a little bit of nonsense, political activist, local government watchdog, and all-around good Hoosier and God-fearing American citizen. Is this guy for real? Holding lawmakers accountable and educating citizens on the importance of participating in their local government with a dab of national and world politics and a little pop culture and maybe some real-life common sense. This is Perception is Reality. And this is Christopher H. Bilbrey. All right, we can start this thing. Welcome, everyone, to the 135th episode of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. Of course, joining us for the second episode in a row is co-host Amber Green. We apparently didn't scare her away last time, so she's back. I think that's a good start. We will see where this goes. We hope that you will do your part and share the show with everyone you know. Of course, remind them we can be found on all major podcast hosting sites. They can look for us by name or simply search Bilberry Podcast in Google. Also, don't forget to check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Bilberry 318. All right, this is the big show between Christmas and New Year's. We hope that you had a fantastic fantastic Christmas. We hope that you got everything that you wanted to get. We hope that you gave everything that you wanted to give, and we hope that you were able to eat, drink, and be merry. Of course, we are staring down the New Year's Eve and New Year's Day holidays, and what that means is we are kind of in the no man's land week. This is the week between Christmas and New Year's where nothing happens, everybody is either off of work or at work wishing they were off, so nothing really gets done. Folks have that after Christmas depression that sets in, and for a lot of the listeners that are listening, I would say a good majority of you are 25 and older, so you are all familiar with what we're going to be talking about, you know, how exciting Christmas is and all of the buildup and all of the chaos and excitement leading to Christmas. And then in 15 minutes, it's all over and you're alone crying in the corner because this is just the blah time of year that everyone has always known that it is. The week between Christmas and New Year's Now, throw on top of that the fact that 2020 is some bizarro year that has tried to drive everybody insane, and the fact that we have some crazy-ass national politics going on trying to tear everybody apart. We have bombs going off in Nashville, destroying complete city blocks, and everybody is just so on edge They're so filled with anxiety, so filled with depression, that it just seems almost unbearable. And that's what we want to talk to you about in this episode. So, Amber, why don't you lay out a little bit about what we were originally discussing? So, being a parent that still has, you know, young children, we we still do Santa, you know, the whole, the magic of Christmas, and, and as a parent, you you grow up and you you obviously learn that the magic and santa is is created by your parents and so as as that parent that's that's worked to create that and and does all the shopping and make sure that the kids get to talk to santa and tell them what they want and then you know insert the blasted elf <laughs> yes <sighs> You do that, and I mean, it, it changes your life, literally, for a little bit of time, because you got to remember to change the elf every night. Yep. You're, you're getting out of bed at a midnight, thinking, oh, shit, I forgot to move the elf. Yep. 
you're you're making sure everything stays hidden, then I know some people will call me a procrastinator, but I do this on purpose. I don't wrap anything until Christmas Eve. Um, I wait until the kids go to bed and it's like my little thing every year. I turn on white Christmas and I sit down and I wrap everything. And then, you know, Christmas morning comes and it's this flurry of wrapping paper and bows and toys and trash. And then uh, we hosted Christmas this year. So we had my immediate family over for Christmas. This was my first time being adult enough to host. <laughs> right. And then they all left and I'm like, oh, okay. Right. I mean, it's like you're on a, a 747 that just comes to a screeching halt. Sure. And it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting mental place to be because I don't, I don't really know. I'm not good with uh, getting rid of things or like the finality of things. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm the sap that cries at the end of every vacation. <laughs> and that's what this, that's what the end of Christmas feels like to me. And then you have this week that we're, that we're literally in the middle of right, right now between Christmas and new year's. And you're just like, what do I do with my time? Sure. Like, what do I, like, I, I don't have to do what I had been doing anymore i'm done shopping i'm done wrapping i'm done moving the freaking elf yeah. like and this year especially i i almost feel like there's some pressure to you know like i don't know peacefully let 2020 go like i have nothing nice to say about 2020 <laughs> at right. all right like not even a little bit right and so i just i feel like there's got to be other parents probably specifically other moms that are sitting here in this weird week where our kids are home and you just don't know what to do. Like what is, there's gotta be, we need to come up with a, a like coined term for this weird week between Christmas and new year's when you're contemplating how to go on with life <laughs> without presents and elves and all of the things that you've been doing for the last four to six weeks. So do you let for, let me ask you this first and foremost because I think that various people would say different things. Do you feel and I think that listeners will say yes as soon as I say this that it's different for men versus women? Do you think it's different for mothers versus fathers, husbands versus wives? First of all, do you think that there's a difference in this feeling um do you think that we process this differently? Do you think that I process this differently than than you do? Oh, for sure. Um, and I don't, I don't mean that like negatively or offensively, sure. but no. um, I've seen one of the, one of the like memes that I saw on Facebook a lot in the last couple weeks was the, the surprised baby Yoda. And it was like, it said the quote with it said, dad's just as surprised, just as surprised as their kids on Christmas morning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I, like, <laughs> I, I thought, oh man, like that's, that's really funny. That's super true. Well, <laughs> what about the scenario where you have the wife who spends several weeks going out and buying the gifts? Of course, the husband has no idea what's been bought. The wife does all of the wrapping, puts it all out under the tree. Then on Christmas morning, the family gets up and they do their Christmas, maybe for lunch. Other family members come in and the wife has to host all of this and is really working her butt off. Kind of like in your example, you said that you did the hosting. And I could see how that would set up a very... Uh, lopsided balance of power as far as the responsibilities. Now, in my situation, I would make a perfect housewife because I don't have a problem sharing in the responsibilities of cooking food, of wrapping gifts, and of doing the hosting, but that's not the case in a lot of situations. I mean, I think what you would have to call it is like a division of what the men do versus what the women do from probably Thanksgiving onward. And now real quick, I, I don't really know what I'm calling it here because I understand that there is a 
whole section of people out there they're like down with the patriarchy and i can understand some of what they say i don't really know how much of that i buy into because i know that there are a lot of people out there like me and i'm not part of that whole group yeah i'm a man i'm not going to apologize for being a man i do my thing the woman does her thing but i feel like i do a really good job of carrying my side of things and I feel like all people should do that I know not everyone does and so I understand that but I'm not trying to get all like down with the patriarchy here but I I'm just saying I understand that exists and while I'm not exactly saying that I do understand that there is a difference in what people do and I think that that needs to be looked at and possibly corrected Now I want to say, like all kids, I loved Christmas. My family loved Christmas. We always did big, big things, and I had a big family. But I can remember being in my mid to late teens, and from time to time uh, throughout the Christmas season, various Christmas seasons, finding my mother in tears and not really knowing what was going on. And as I got older, like I would talk to her and she's like, you know, I just either feel like I didn't do enough and 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 of course she always did too much, you know, but it's that kind of feeling that you're talking about. And I feel like so many people relate to that, but I feel like people are embarrassed to talk about it. And I oh, think, I think that, that's like, that's literally me every year, usually somewhere on like the 23rd or 24th. Uh, I just like this year it was on Christmas Eve and I just, I went in my bedroom and I was just like, Oh man, like, cause it, it feels like you're preparing and maybe this is, maybe this is our own fault as a society by placing so much pressure on ourselves, but it, it feels like you're preparing for this big show. Right. And, and nothing can go wrong because then you have the chance of of the magic being exposed and then as a parent you don't want to miss that you don't want to you don't want to make the the innocence disappear before it's supposed to and you i i just i was like oh my gosh like just like there needs to be like a Christmas magic for moms. <laughs> I think it's alcohol. <laughs> That's what I was just getting ready to say. It needs to be like some type of alcohol, but like a a fairy needs to bring it or something. Right, right, right. right. A, a cute reindeer. I don't know. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, well, you know, that's the thing because, of course, you know, you get into that whole argument, is Christmas too commercialized? And it's it, it gets away from being what it's supposed to be about and, and all of that. Uh, and I think that some of that is, to an extent, um, probably correct. Um, you know, I, I feel like there's so much pressure put on, you know... Uh, Everybody, everybody, but, but <laughs> I mean, I, I like, look, I don't have a problem saying, yeah, I see where I could do better. So like I said, I don't have a problem cooking and doing things around the house. But one thing I hate to do is going Christmas shopping. I don't like crowds. I don't like the lights of the stores. I don't like all of the people and it causes me massive anxiety And I understand that it can do the same thing to my partner. I understand that it can do the same thing to women. I don't have a problem doing it as a couple. I just have a really hard time doing it by myself. But I'm willing to do my share or what I have to do. It's just a struggle. And, you know... As long as people would be willing to do what needs to be do or to be willing to share in the responsibility, I think that could go a really long way. And so now this sense of depression or anxiety or doom or dread or whatever you want to call it, the Christmas blues or the Christmas lows after the highs, whatever you want to call it, is this something that people, uh, specifically women, like to talk about with their friends or is this something that you keep inside and on the down low? I think it's just... I think we all just kind of have the same feeling of it. So it doesn't, 
when you when you say, oh, I went and got, you know, Susie and Johnny their gifts, like, it's just like woman code that you know <laughs> that she got those gifts and her husband doesn't have a damn clue what she got. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, right. So, so I mean, I, I, I don't, and then with the, like, with the, the, the weird week between, I don't think I've ever really talked to any of my friends about that because while it seems like such a weird week and it's like, what do you do with your time? It seems like everybody is always so busy too during that week. Yeah. Maybe, maybe this year is a little different because some people didn't do as much traveling um, or they didn't have as much family come to, to visit them. Um, but you've got the kids out of school. So that's automatically, you know, throwing one routine out of whack and then the kids usually want to play with their friends because normally they would be in school or you're running errands or you're doing something around the house that you didn't have time to do. So I don't, I don't know that I've never ever sat down and, and had that conversation with any of my, my women friends. Um, but I would be, I mean, I'd love to see the feedback that, that we get yeah. from this conversation Oh yeah, just to see if anybody else does feel that way. Well, and I think, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, you're fine. Go ahead. I think maybe this year it's, it's a little different too, because last year, I mean, if you think back to a year ago today, like everybody was posting 2020 is going to be like, and had all these great plans Oh yeah. and I'm going to do this, this, and this, and I can't wait to take my kids here and there or, you know, or I mean, think about the seniors from last year. Like, oh yeah. Every, and then 2020 just like literally came out of nowhere. Yeah. And and threw everyone for a loop. So I think, and I'm I'm speaking for myself, but I feel like I'm probably speaking for a lot of other people as well. I'm a little gun shy, man. Right. Like, I mean, I know we don't have a choice. Like, I I can't sit and pout in the middle of my living room floor at 11:59 on Thursday night and be like, nope, I'm not doing it. But I'm, I'm a little gun shy. I'm, I'm a little concerned for a lot of reasons, honestly. Well, uh, I think first and foremost, I don't think, I, I think it's going to, I think this is going to spill right in Thursday. Or what is it? Thursday is going to become Friday and it's just going to be another day. I don't think anything, I don't think we have anything miraculously wonderful to look forward to. Uh, I think that it's, we're, we are still um, going to be in the heart of some really crazy shit for a while. Uh, I don't think anything with the pandemic is going to be uh, slowing down. I don't think anything with that's going to be slowing down or easing up for quite some time. Uh, yeah, that's, I, I think it's, I think my, my biggest issue with it like usually you feel like a new year is a new fresh start yeah i don't feel like we're going to get that because literally nothing yeah. is going to change let me ask you a question since you've gotten older i mean obviously you've picked up let's not talk about this year but like 2017 2018 you're starting to feel that like you know time is moving faster correct you've got to that point right where, oh, yeah. like, yeah. you know, you're like, God, it's Sunday again already? Like, it was literally just Sunday. And, and or, like, man, it's it's great. It's, it's, it's spring, and then it's, then it's September, and then it's spring again. And, like, I remember, let's see, my dad passed away in 2016. And uh, last year, last year, in June of last year, when I was counting back, like, how many years it's been since my dad died... I was like, holy shit. I, I mean, it seems like it was just last year, but in reality, it's been four years ago. And that seems crazy, and that's kind of what like gave me the impression that time was just spinning wildly out of control. And then 2020 happened, and I think from January to March, uh, it was plugging right along, but then the COVID thing oh, yeah. hit, and it we just have it rolled to a stop. So funny story about that. Um, Chris and I, my husband, went on a cruise at the end of February. Okay. 
So COVID was just becoming a word, but for most of us, it was still in China. It was something that we saw on the news. Um, The cruise line that we cruised with did like verbally ask us (laughs) as we were checking (laughs) in, have you been to China or like basically any Asian country in the last month? But all we had to do, I mean, we had not, so I didn't lie. But all they all you had to do was say no. Like sure. it was literally as you were getting ready to walk on the ship, there was no pre-screening. Um so it I mean, it was obvious that it was, you know, becoming a thing. Right. Especially in a in a closed environment such as cruise ship. Um, but it was it was still kind of I hate to say this, but laughable at that yeah, point. Right. Because Absolutely. obviously Obviously, they could not find my history as I'm walking on the ship and verify if I had or had not been to Asia. And we're on this cruise. Um, It was a five-day cruise. So we're, you know, in the middle of the ocean having a grand time. And it was literally like we came home to a different world. Yeah. In a a five-day time, it had made it to Washington. Um, And some of the people that we met on the cruise were from Washington and they were getting, you know, calls and texts about what was going on. They were from Seattle. So, you know, like hotbed number one. Sure. Yeah. And we, we drove, so we're driving home from Florida and and nothing really seemed different on the drive, but then we get home and schools started closing Yeah. and then restaurants start getting stricter rules. And I was like, what happened? Like a week ago, we were literally on a beach in Mexico, like right. <laughs> not a care in the world. And now it's, it, it literally felt like a movie. Like it just, it felt so bizarre. And then I, uh, my, my job told us, so I, I was working a field based role at the time. So I did not have an office or a home office to report to. Um, and my, my job said, you know, if you don't feel comfortable going out, please stay home. Please make sure that your accounts are comfortable with you physically coming in. And then a week later, my job was like, peace out. <laughs> so it, it, it just, it, it, you're right. When you say it was from January to March, it was just plugging right along. And then it was literally like a bomb dropped. Well, and it feels like then from March to April, instead of being four weeks, it was like nine weeks long, and then each month from that point forward just really slowed down. And I'll be really honest, from that point of view, I have loved this because for the first time in literally the last maybe 10 years, I haven't felt like time was just slipping away crazily. I mean, it really felt as though the treadmill was speeding up faster and faster and faster, and it was just knocking you down and spitting you out the back ways because, like, I couldn't keep up with how fast time was going, and it was freaking me out. Because, like, you always hear people say, like, oh, you know, you're going to look in the mirror one day and be 60 years old. And I was like, yeah, there's, you know, that's crazy. And then, like, that was literally, like, I was cognizant of that happening to me. Like, I was lose, like, I was, you know, aging in years of five years at a time, it seemed like. And then for the for the first time... I know how I, to help you with that, by oh, the way. That's right, folks. The way that she can help you push back the hands of time is with Amber's Beauty Counter products. Visit www.beautycounter.com forward slash Amber Green. That's A-M-B-E-R-G-R-E-E-N-E. Do it today. Uh, but so that's, uh, you know, I, I was happy for that very reason. But it, it now it seems like it's slowed, and, and that is what I think is giving a lot of people catastrophe fatigue or pandemic post-traumatic stress disorder because I believe that a lot of people think that they are in a rut and they're just doing the same thing day after day after day and not getting anywhere and time isn't progressing. It's almost like the movie Groundhog's Day. We just keep waking up on the same day and nothing's changing. 
And there are a lot of different things that are causing stressors. One of the big things right now that's driving everybody crazy is the virtual school for parents who aren't teachers or for parents who have jobs or just aren't really set up to be teachers. (laughs) Uh, It's really driving a lot of parents almost insane. Now, were you guys doing virtual schooling before the Christmas break or were you guys still in real school? My kids were in actual school. Okay. And like, because I know Delta, I'm a Delta Eagle. I went to Delta. I know that Delta was still in session. Uh, I know that, uh, Randolph County was in session. Now, for example, in Henry County, they have been on virtual schooling for like three weeks leading up to this. Oh, I think I think Delta had been virtual because okay, my th- my son's stepbrother goes to um, one of the elementaries, and I'm pretty sure they had been virtual. They, okay, they had shut they had they had shut the doors and done virtual school, and that's hard and on our, a lot of parents. Our school system, the middle school and high school, was virtual, but the two elementary schools, which is where my child is, okay, were. We're in person. Okay. So. And so it's so strange that even within one school system, they don't seem to be uniform across the board. One other elementaries might be doing something while another elementary is doing something else. And the middle school is doing another thing. And the high school is doing yet another thing. And that is kind of crazy. But in those instances where virtual school is going on and you have the best case scenario, which is two parents at home and you have a stay at home parent who can act as the teacher. And so they don't have to fight for childcare or who's going to be teaching the kids. Even in those situations, this is very stressful because not all parents are set up with the faculties it takes to teach their children. That's why we have schools and teachers, because not everybody has that training, not everybody has the patience. And so even in the very best case scenario, where you have a stay-at-home mother or stay-at-home father, this is adding a lot of stress to everyone involved. I couldn't even begin to imagine if you have a situation where both parents have to work to make ends meet, and so I don't even know what happens in that situation. Maybe they both work, but they don't, they're not able to afford childcare, and one of the older children looks after the other kids. How is virtual schooling happening then? Or, God forbid, the situations where you have a single mother or a single father and they have to work. I don't know what goes on. It's, it's so stressful. It's, it's really, it's an interesting place to be as someone who, is currently unemployed. Sure. Because um, the kids, the schools shut down in March, daycares shut down, but I also lost my job. So that, I mean, other than the fact that I lost my job, like I lost my income, um, I wasn't, I wasn't doubly worried. Yeah, right. Like I was able to be home. I didn't have to try and find alternate childcare. Yeah. We weren't paying. Um, we weren't losing the money from childcare anymore. But now like, I'm still job searching. I still have not found a job. And it's concerning because I, my husband works 17 hour days. Yeah. And I, I'm like, okay, what are we going to do if I find a job, which this is not just an if, like I have to find a job when you find a job rather than later. And what am I going to do? Like if the school shut down again or, my son, the the one that's in normal public school, what what if he's quarantined again? He was quarantined once because of close contact. He was fine. But what do you do? You know? Right. Like Ooh, I didn't even think about that. So yeah, what and, happens? And it's, so it's concerning. Like I obviously need to find a job. Right. And I and employers, the the, the one thing I've noticed, every job I find so I have eight years of experience in field sales, specifically in the beauty industry, but sure. I, I know the sales process. I know how to deal with large territories. I, I have experience in territory management. I was covering two and a half states, over 150 people. Like I know my stuff and all of these jobs that I'm seeing are, they'll say entry level position, but they want a bachelor's degree and then two uh, or three years of experience. Right. 
And then here's the real kicker. They want those things. So a bachelor's degree plus two years of experience, that's six years right there. Sure. Then they want to say, we'll pay you $14 an hour. <laughs> um, excuse me? Right. Like, are you hitting me right now? Right. And they're doing it because they can. Yep. Because so many people need jobs right now. Yep. That those poor young kids that have put in four years into college and are desperate to find a job will say, okay, fine, I'll take it. It's really tough. I, I understand my brother is a 10 or 12 year professional in the oil industry. He is a chemical engineer. He went to Purdue University, has a double major in chemical engineering and biomedical engineering, I believe. And he worked in the oil industry for 10, 12 years. Along with that, he and his wife owned two very successful businesses that revolve around the wedding party and entertainment business. And they all did this in Houston, Texas, the third largest city in America. So even though they were down there living their best life, when COVID hit, it absolutely wiped out their businesses. And on top of that, Andrew lost his job being in the oil field, in the oil industry, being a chemical engineer, being one of the upper echelons doing major technical work because of this big degree that he had, he found himself without a job. And for the first time, he wasn't able to be looked at. I mean, for a very long time, he could write his own ticket. He could do literally anything in any industry that he wanted because of his degree and because of the experience. But for the first time, he finds himself without a job. He finds his companies that they had built up from scratch are no longer viable. His wife has to go back and work in the field that she had been in prior, which was radiological oncology. And for the first time, Andrew was really stressing on what he was going to do. And here he is applying to jobs everywhere, even outside of his field and he couldn't even get interviews hell he was applying to jobs overseas in russia in abu dhabi in africa and it was pretty crazy at one point he even talked about possibly applying to the navy because they have some kind of deal where even though you're older he's 34 35 years old even though you're older because of your degree you can apply and they'll take you straight away and you'll go into their ranks doing God knows what. But that's what he was looking at doing. It was very tough on him and, and has continued to be tough on them as a family. Now, thank God he did just find a job here fairly recently and I believe has just started within the last couple of weeks. But it really could have been a problem, and, and it was a problem for a while, and I couldn't imagine, you know, if you were somebody who was already living paycheck to paycheck. It's just been really tough, you know. One of the reasons is because I feel like there's a disconnect, because it appears as though we're all running around living our normal everyday lives, but yet this is still going on. And one of the things you were talking about when you first were finding out about COVID, I just found in my Facebook memories today that this date, one year ago, I was in Texas with my brother watching the news on TV about COVID-19 in China, and I was really concerned about it. I was thinking that this was going to be a problem. Now, I'm a little bit of a hypochondriac. That's old news on the podcast. People have made fun about it, and it's something I've talked about frequently, but I was concerned about it and thought that this would be something that would be a concern for 
us here in, in America. And I can remember talking about it a year ago and people were literally kind of like making fun of me and saying how that was so crazy. But then all of a sudden it hits here in America and it just is like a wildfire and it spreads. And then all of a sudden schools were shutting down and governments were shutting down and people were running to the stores and buying everything out of the stores. And it really looked like the end of the world. It was really strange. Matter of fact, I, I went and picked up my mother and took her to Walmart and said, you've got to look at this. This is nuts. I've never seen anything like this in my life. And I know she hadn't either. It was very, very strange. And now, of course, that was back when we were doing the whole 15 days to flatten the curve, which turned out to be a joke. Of course, <laughs> you like to see the memes. You know, this is day 295 of 15 days to flatten the curve, which is, you know, kind of laughable. But all of this, like you said, getting back to what you what the original topic was about, is is I think people think that Thursday is going to happen and we're going to wake up Friday and everything's going to be reset and it's not going to be reset. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be just that much more crazy. I think because I think people are going to when people realize nothing is happening and we're not moving, we're not really moving the chains forward. I think that's really going to cause people to be depressed. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how that happens. I think it's very uh, indicative of um, back during the presidential debates when Joe Biden said that we were entering a long, dark, cold winter. You know, <laughs> I mean, like, I really think that's true. And that's really sad to say or think that. But I, I honestly think that that's I honestly think that that's true. I, I don't I, I don't know. I just can't like I can't possibly see. And I'm not trying to be like negative Nancy or Debbie Downer or anything like that, but I can't, I can't possibly see how we're not. I mean, like, for instance, it's it's taken how long now to pass this COVID relief bill? Right. That is, in my personal opinion, an absolute joke and a half. Yeah. And then, you know, unemployment has has expired. At least if you're in Indiana, um, everywhere else it will expire at least by Thursday. Yep. So, well, you know what else I, expires Thursday? The moratorium on landlords being able to not kick out or sue uh, their renters. That yep. that expires. So, coming Friday or or moreover, I guess Monday, I think there's going to be you're going to see a lot of people who. Uh, you know, and, and it's it's a weird situation to be in because yes, the people who. Uh, don't have jobs because of this. Who are who are trying to do the best they can renting? They need housing, and, and I don't think that the landlords should be just completely heartless bastards about it. But at that same time, you know, my grandparents are are have have been landlords for various properties all of my life. Now, thank God, they have paired their properties down to like two now. And of both of their properties, the people still have their jobs and, and will have their jobs, so it hasn't affected them. But like I could see it from my grandparents' point of view. They've done all right for themselves. However, they still are elderly, and they do count on that rent money to put back into the properties and pay for property tax and so on and so forth, and it's tough. I mean, it's scary to think what kind of position they would be in if all of a sudden one of their renters stopped paying for nine months or so. That would be a really tough position to be in. Let me tell you about another tough position to be in, and that's the position that you would be in if your septic tank stopped working. What happens if your water heater cuts out on you? Well, my friends, you don't have to be in that tough spot because you can call RPS, Reliable Plumbing Services. Mark Bolin and Sherry Sheline, they have 28 years plumbing experience all plumbing needs, senior citizens discounts, military discounts, and if you tell them you heard the ad right here on Perception is Reality, I'm sure they'll work out a hell of a deal for you. They'll deal with sewer drain services, sewer locating, sewer cameras, water jetting, sewer installations, general plumbing, toilet install and repair, water heaters, and much, much more. That's Mark Bolin and Sherry Sheline. Call them today at 765 252 3665 Reliable Plumbing Services. 
Call them today. All right, folks, we have to continue paying some bills around here, so we do have to take a real quick time out. But when we come back, we will pick up on our discussion about the winter Christmas time blues and how we might just be a little bit more connected than we believe we actually are. You're listening to episode 135 of Perception is Reality. I'm Chris. She's Amber. We'll be right back. What can give you a competitive edge in today's red-hot housing market? Rocket can. That's because Rocket Mortgage can give you a verified approval. It could help your offer stand out. Rocket technology provides a rock-solid verification of your income, assets, and credit, giving sellers greater confidence in you. Go to rocketmortgage.com or call us today at 8338-ROCKET. A verified approval is based on an underwriter's analysis of your individual financial information, appraisal, and title report. Call for cost information and conditions equal housing under license in all 50 states and MLSConsumerAccess.org number 3030. Perception. Perception. Perception is... Reality. Reality. All right, folks, welcome back to episode 135. I'm Chris, she's Amber, and we are talking about the Christmas blues. That's right. The feeling that after it's all said and done, you just feel kind of wiped out, sad, depressed, because it was like, was that it? And it seems like that's something that kind of hits you as you get older, and you start realizing that, man, there's a lot of work that goes into this. But specifically this year, in 2020, we have had such a shitty go of things. We have looked for any bit of joy and happiness. And when you have those highs, it's good. But then when you have the lows on the other side of it, also on top of everything else that's been going on, it's really bad, and in a lot of ways, it just doesn't seem like it's getting any better. It seems like we are in a rut, and I just, I'll be honest, to me, I feel like people think that there is no real way out of this, and there is no, there is definitely not an easy fix, but it doesn't even seem like there is a hard road to hoe. It seems like we are in for it, and that's just kind of depressing way to look at things. Uh, and 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 hopefully, you know, we we will be better. I mean, look, I'm a believer. I know what I know what my belief says. But while we're here, I, God, I just wish it. I wish we could make things better. I wish we could do something to hopefully get a little bit more connected and back to feeling some sense of normalcy. I think it's it's finally making people realize that everyone is a lot more connected than you think. Ah, yes. And I, and I don't mean like connected via social media or physically or anything like that. I mean like so you've had these people that that say, "Oh, it's it's BS that a CEO makes, you know, 15 gazillion dollars a year. Yeah. Um, But jobs are getting cut. Right. And I mean, on paper, yes, that does look ridiculous. But I mean, take the cruise industry, for instance, because I, I love cruising. They are just getting absolutely murdered. Like there's no, there's no coming back from that type of, income loss. Yeah. And you have all of these workers that are not making anything and are the CEOs of, you know, Carnival Royal, whatever, still rich? Well, yes, they are. But you, it's made me and other people realize, I think that you spend to your means. And absolutely. And the, the landlord that lives, you know, in a $400,000 house and owns 20 properties, he still has to pay the bills on those properties and on that $400,000 house. He doesn't just get to decide, oh, I'm not going to live in this $400,000 house anymore because I'm getting less money. Like you don't, you don't get to make that decision unless you're just able to turn around and sell your house right away. Right. But that house was also probably an investment. So 
That's, that's ugh. like, it, it just didn't, it aggravates me, especially when I see people posting, oh, why do we need to extend the unemployment? Um, because people that were making, you know, six figures yeah. have bills sure. that match those six figures. Right. People and don't those think bills about don't go away just because the income did. Sure. Right. I think that kind of falls into the type of thinking that everybody's problems are relative to their own individual person, meaning like I can look at your problems and be like, Psh, that's nothing. I could get through that. No problem. What's she bitching about? Or you look at my problems and you're like, what is he going on about? However, our own individual problems affect us individually because it's what we can or can't handle. I think that's kind of similar to what you were just talking about, because when you make $27,000 a year, you have bills that a person who makes $27,000 a year would have. However, if you make $400,000 a year, you have bills that a person who makes $400,000 a year would have. It's all kind of relative. And when COVID can kill anybody indiscriminately and we can all get sick and die based off of this virus that is spreading around like wildfire, I look at that kind of as being the great equalizer. And you're right, it has kind of put us all on the same playing field as far as that goes. However, if you want to find a way in which Americans are more divided now than we have ever been, you have to look no further than the American political belief systems to find that we are all so divided, and my fear is that we will not be able to repair the bridges between us so that we can come together over common ground. Yes, I may believe this, and you may believe that, and we may not agree on this, this, or this, but we do agree on these things, and so that makes us all Americans I just don't know if we're ever going to get there again. And doing what I do, that is very disheartening and also causes for a level of depression or anxiety because my whole purpose is to bring us all together, no matter what side you're on or what you believe different than I believe. Because the number one goal is that we see we are all Americans. We all have a right to state what we believe believe and we all can be a part of the system and we can all be involved and that our citizen involvement should better government on the local level, the state level, and the national level. But I just am starting to think that we might not ever be able to repair this. I mean, we can't even decide on whether or not the COVID stimulus should go out or not. Just on the 28th, Trump did officially sign the bill stating that Americans could get the $600, whatever the hell that will do for anyone, and all of the other countries can get their billions of dollars of aid, which is just absolutely asinine. I have no problem helping out other places in need, but when we have been kicked in the teeth and when we're down on the ground and we are really needing the help here at home, I don't want to help someone else before we help American citizens. That's just absolutely crazy. And honestly, I don't think that this $600 should be going out because it's not going to do anything. The way to help us is to allow us to get back to work and allow us to do what we need to do, quit picking winners and losers, and allow us to be liberty freedom-loving Americans. Now, we should be safe. We should take all precautions that we can, but we have to be able to get back to living our life. We don't need $600. And now, did you see, apparently, they are also voting on, and I think they've, they've voted on, allowing for an additional $2,000 to be sent out as well. But it's... Well, that's only been passed through the House and not the yeah, Senate. Right. So. It's only went through the House. Absolutely. So it'll be interesting to see what goes on with that. Because I believe Congress only has a few more days. And matter of fact, I think that they're out 
now or they'll be out this week. They'll be done. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Of course, they do very little, and it's it's maddening. Uh, but besides that, the state governments and the local governments, hell, they're all closed down because, like we were talking about earlier, it's the week in between Christmas and New Year's, so nothing will be happening between now and January 4th or January 5th whenever they all decide to go back to work, and that's just absolutely insane. And on top of that, here we are in the week between Christmas and New Year's, so everything's shut down for that as well, and nobody is working. Uh, you want to know who else is not working? Who's apparently? that? Claims adjusters. <laughs> so, so we got... Uh, well, I, I was by myself. I got rear-ended a couple weeks ago. I think it's been three weeks now okay. by a Ferguson gas. You know, you see oh, those yes. vans uh-huh. driving around. Own, yep. Yeah. So obviously this is a fleet vehicle. Sure. And it's a fleet vehicle for a very, very, very large company. So they're obviously not going to be handling this themselves. Right. They sent me, they, they contacted me through their, you know, insurance provider, which is a third party company. And I've been waiting three weeks for this freaking insurance adjuster to come out and take pictures of my car. And my mom, funny enough, used to be one. And she goes, um, I can tell you right now, she's not working this week. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just like, damn, can we just get my car fixed, please? Well, I can tell you, I was in a car wreck this time of year, two years ago, and it took forever for them to get on the ball. And not being able to get things done like that in a timely manner just absolutely gives me anxiety. And I tell you, I think that right now, everybody is feeling a level of anxiety just because everything is at the top tip toppest most boiling point that we could possibly be at and it seems like it's just going to take one more thing to push us right over the edge and i kind of feel like everybody's looking for new year's eve to be the way to say goodbye to 2020 and we're all going to be partying welcoming 2021 in and when everybody wakes up from their hangover on friday and realizes that we're still in the same shithole rut that we've been in for the last year, I think people are really going to have a hard time with that. And then lastly, I would like to talk about the fact that the Congress is supposed to be certifying the Electoral College vote on January 6th, so that's coming up, and if you haven't heard, there's going to be some craziness surrounding that as well. And as if it couldn't get any more ominous, now Trump has tweeted out this very cryptic tweet. Have you heard about this? Ooh, no. Trump has tweeted that all patriots need to make a pilgrimage to Washington, D.C. on January 6th, and then he's going to hand out other information and news. And that just seems really strange have to you, me. Have you seen the uh, the GOP lawsuit against Mike Pence? Oh, no. In, yeah, so I, I briefly read about this, and even as someone who is very much a conservative and very much patriot and very much believes that there's some serious fraud (laughs) issues going on with this election. I still don't really see where this lawsuit could gain any traction. It's a couple senators or representatives basically suing Mike Pence in his role as vice president to not certify the vote. Oh, really? Yes. So they want him to not certify the vote. Let me see here. The article says, Why are these GOP leaders suing Mike Pence? To try and overturn the election, of course. Representative Louis Gohmert from Texas, Republican, and Arizona GOP Chair Kelly Ward, along with several other Republican leaders, have sued Vice President Mike Pence in a Texas federal court, asking the judge to give Pence the authority to pick pro-Trump electors from the swing states that elected Biden in yet another far-fetched attempt to overturn this year's election results. Key facts. The lawsuit, which was shared first by the Hill's John Cruz, seeks to strike down portions of the Electoral Count Act of 1887, which gives the vice president 
largely a ceremonial role in presiding over the meeting of the joint session of Congress, where the Electoral College votes are officially counted. The lawsuit claims that seven states, which were won by Biden, have competing slates of electors, pointing to the self-appointed Trump electors from Georgia, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, New Mexico, and Nevada. The plaintiffs, therefore, have asked a federal judge to grant Pence the exclusive authority to determine which slate of electors' votes are counted or to decide if none should be counted at all, effectively empowering Pence to overturn Trump's defeat. In the lawsuit, the plaintiffs repeat many of the claims made by Trump and his allies, claiming that there was substantial evidence of election fraud in the states in question. Legal scholars have dismissed the far-fetched lawsuit with election law expert Rick Hasen simply writing, no, this won't work. Very interesting. Very interesting. I would love to see the voter fraud exposed on a a larger level, especially to all of those that want to believe that you know, Russia could have influenced the last election, but surely Americans can't influence their own election. Like, get out of here. Sit down. It's very strange to hear that when they talk about how Russia influenced the 2016 election, but yet this election, they say, no, no, it's the most secure election process ever. Maybe the biggest, most bestest selection election process in the world. And if they would stop for a second and listen to themselves, that sounds like a very Donald Trump-like thing that they're saying. (laughs) There, There certainly have been various issues within the voting process throughout all elections. So to say that this 2020 election was the most secure ever is absolutely asinine. Does that mean that I believe that there was some kind of conspiracy for an extensive voter fraud organization that was designed to steal this election away from Donald Trump? We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. No, I don't necessarily believe that there was some cabal of people doing this on the left. Now, do I believe that there was serious issue and voter fraud going on Possibly widespread, but unconnected? You bet your ass I do. It happened right here in Delaware County in Indiana. I guarantee you it happens in other places. It is not being looked at. It is not being taken serious. The courts are not listening to the cases. And until something like this is looked at, we will always have this problem in the American voting system. And real quick, I want to say for the record, everyone's running around saying, oh, Trump's lawyers are 1 in 64. They won one case and they've lost 64 cases or something astronomical like that. That's not exactly true. They haven't lost these cases. I'm sure there are some they have lost. But in a lot of cases, the judges just simply said, no, I'm not going to hear this case. And that is a whole lot different than losing. If you take evidence before a judge in a case and the judge hears it and says, no, I don't buy that, that's one thing. But if the judge says, nope, I'm not going to listen to this, that's not a loss. That just simply means they did not listen to the evidence for or against or in any way. So that is a very important distinction. And another thing, voter fraud would be a crime. That is something that law enforcement agencies are designed to investigate. When a murder occurs, you don't have the murder victim's family trying to do the investigation. The police come in and investigate the case, send it to the prosecutor's office. The prosecutor's office files charges and takes it before the court. In this situation, you have the victims, Trump and his team, trying to do the investigation here. And investigations in regular, just everyday 
fraud cases or any type of criminal case sometimes takes days, weeks, months, if not years. And this is something that we're supposed to get wrapped up in a month or in two or three months with as expansive as all of this is. I'm sorry, that's not going to happen. We are not having an appropriate investigation into what has happened here. I don't care if Biden wins. I don't care if Trump wins. I don't care if they call it a draw. Nobody wins. I don't care. They could put you in as president. But the fact that we have people in the United States of America that do not want to know what really happened here, I'd say, yeah, let's investigate this. Let's investigate 2016. Let's investigate 2008. Let's investigate 2004. I don't care what they want to look at. I'll look at all of them. All of our elections should be looked at and made sure that they have been ran as securely as possible. And for someone to say they don't want a full investigation and to find out what the hell happened here, well, I'm sorry, I just can't take that type of person serious. It's making you question the entire system. Yep. And not not just for one side or the other. It's making you question the legitimacy of any vote ever cast from the local level to, you know, the very tip top. Right. And it's also the first time that you're seeing the the justice system get involved, yep. uh, at least in, on a national level. <laughs> we're, we're all too familiar with that here in Delaware sure. County. Um, <laughs> right. But it, it's the first time that I can think of, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, where witness statements and firsthand testimony are no longer considered evidence. Absolutely, and I'll be honest, we're talking about questioning the American voting system or the American political system that is in place. Now we have to question the American legal system because, as you said, it's the first time that actual evidence is not being allowed to be heard in front of a judge because that judge is simply saying, nah, I'm not going to hear it. And that means there is no serious investigation to what's going on. Listen, run an investigation and say everything was fine, there was no issue, and I'll be happy. But until we have an investigation, there will always be question, and there must always be question because it's that serious. Are there instances where Trump's team has put together complete nonsense and put it in front of a judge? Absolutely. And you know what? Those cases deserve to be thrown out. If they were wrong, if it was some nonsense, toss it out. But there are absolutely, absolutely examples of issues and problems and downright, let's just call it what it is, voter fraud that has been packaged and put together in a suit that has went before a judge and the judge has simply said, nah, not going to hear it. And that, my people, is not the same thing as losing. Yeah. So people just need to keep that in mind. In what other situation would you have a judge making a decision like this before that judge, he or she, listened to the evidence? And so we've got all this going on. You've got the left who thinks the right's trying to steal their win away. You have the right who thinks the left did steal their win away. We've got COVID. We have all the rest of the political craziness. We have the fact that it's cold outside. We have the fact that the sun is only up like six hours a day. We have the fact that we have the on the other side of Christmas blues going on, and it's a lot of craziness. Now throw into the mix that Thursday, December 31st, is going to come, and that clock is going to strike midnight, and it's going to be January 1st, 2021, and we're not going to see this big reset like people think we're going to see. And I think there's going to be a lot of people who are depressed anxious and really just not doing well and that's why i'm wanting people to get in the right mindset now folks i know it seems like we're stuck in a rut but we will get out of this it's just gonna take some doing but i need you to know we're not gonna get out of this come friday so everyone needs to take a couple deep breaths and just relax well here's my my two cents to kind of close that out um while you're 100% right that nothing uh, 
as far as the the national climate or local climate or anything like that is going to change uh, just just because the date changes from Thursday to Friday. I encourage you uh, because I can I can tell that this is something that's that's stressing you out. It's something that's stressing me out. I'm sure it's something that's stressing out those of you that are listening. If you need to make your own type of change, do it. Yeah. Um, so I have gotten in a very very bad rut of living like I, I'm unemployed because I am. Right. <laughs> so I am going to make a conscious effort um, to, you know, live like like I was while I was working. I'm going to do better at. I mean, I get up at the same time every day anyway because of the kids. Um, but my morning routine changed because I don't have as much to do. So I'm going to make a conscious effort to to kind of get my routine back to how it was when I was working. Yeah. Um, without being wasteful of things, like I'm not going to get up and do, you know, a full face of glam makeup every sure, day because right. that shit's expensive and I don't want to waste it. <laughs> right. um, but I am going to do a better job of, of making my daily life more representative of the life that I want to have back and not the life that I've had sure. because of what 2020 has done. That, so yeah. if that's, if that's what you need to do, I will be right there with you. Um, yeah. So just just think of that as as we're you know navigating the unknown. Uh, you can still make your personal life and your home and your children's lives the the constant. I could not have said that better, folks. If you find yourself in this rut that we are in and that we are going to be in come the first of the year, do what she said. Get yourself up out of bed. Wash your face. Shave your face. Put on some clothes, put on a little bit of makeup, go outside, and thank God that you're alive. Amber, I appreciate another amazing episode. Tell the folks where they can find you. As always, you can find me on Facebook under Amber Green, and my business page is A Touch of Green. Fan-flippantastic. Thank you, Amber, for your input in this episode. You, your husband, and your children have a wonderful New Year's Eve and an amazing New Year's Day. Make sure you fight back against the rut that we are all in. Yes, of course. Thank you very much, and you have a happy New Year as well. Absolutely fantastic. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this episode 135. For all of you out there, please do me a favor and just quickly share the show with everyone you know. It just takes a second. Also, be sure to have yourself a very happy New Year's Eve and a very special New Year's Day. 2021 is coming. I don't think it's going to be what everybody else thinks it's going to be, but it will be, and we will be here, God willing, together. You guys have a wonderful holiday. Be safe. Whatever you do, do not drink and drive. Call a friend. Call a foe. Call me. Walk or crawl, but do not, do not put your life in jeopardy or anyone else's life in jeopardy. Do not cost yourself money that you don't need to blow by drinking and driving. Just do not do it. Have a very, very happy New Year's Eve. Be safe. Wash your hands. Don't lick doorknobs. And as always, make sure you're getting educated. Make sure that you're active and involved. And until next time, Take care. God bless. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com. Or get off your butt and call the show at 765-546-9796. Till next time, remember, perception Perception is is reality. reality. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.